Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, you guys, we are in the world of upcycling. I know. Have you even heard of upcycling? Amazing story here. You're going to really enjoy meeting this company, AgriCycle, um, and what they're doing globally to just really impact people, to impact our world, to impact even the, the consumer goods space. They're making some incredible products. And on the podcast today is Claire Friona. She's co-founder and portfolio manager. Claire, it is so great to have you on the podcast uh, thanks for having me. Dude, I am so excited that you're here. I'm so impressed by all that you've accomplished and like that this, I say, business slash impact maker that you've built and or at least even getting going. AgriCycle, I love your catchphrase, transforming waste into opportunity for those that are listening. You guys are going to love this because not only is this like an organization that's impacting globally, but also they're building brands along the way. And so we're going to unpack that all today. Um, and Claire, it's just so great having you here. So I, I got to start. So I, I had so much fun researching you and, and this business and I want to say, so I saw that you were working on your mechanical engineering degree, right? And I believe you decided to take a sideways turn and go and focus on AgriCycle. So talk to us about your background and then how you decided to start this. Uh, Yeah, so I was studying mechanical engineering and my freshman year of college, I got involved in a school project where they were, we were building a dehydrator in Panama. And I, of course, was like, well, yeah, I want to go to Panama and build dehydrate. It sounds <laughs> awesome. That um, sounds amazing. <laughs> and yeah. And then we sort of realized over time, me and the founder, Josh, um, and the rest of our team realized that we could use these dehydrators to dry fruit and sell it to consumers in America and then give that, or we were paying the farmers that we worked with in Panama a fair wage and a fair payment for these fruits they dried for us. Wow. Um, and that was kind of what sparked the idea. Um, so, and share with and our audience, we, what a, share with our audience, what a dehydrator is. Cause I don't know that everyone will know. Yeah. Yeah. So we use dehydrators that are passive solar, which means they work off of the heat of the sun. It's not like elect- electrical panel or an electric or a dehydrator you plug into your wall or sure. anything. Um, so the, you set these dehydrators out in the sun Hot air rises, and that hot current of air um, rising up through the fruit is what dehydrates it. Wow, that's amazing. So you go on this trip your freshman year of college to Panama, and you learn all about a dehydrator, right, and how it works. And then? Yeah, so then we kind of realized that we can. there's all kinds of food waste out there that we can upcycle into different value-added products. And... So we have our other brands besides Jolly that's like Tropical, where we take coconut shells and we carbonize them into charcoal. Um, We grind them up and compress them into briquettes. And then that makes a like sustainable biofuel that only has three different ingredients in it. So instead of cutting down trees and burning them into charcoal, you're using something that's going to waste anyway. 
That's fascinating. Yeah, I was looking um, and doing, again, homework on your company. Each each year, 2.8 trillion pounds of food goes to waste. In sub-Saharan Africa, up to 95% of food waste is due to food loss, which is the phenomenon occurring when food produced never reaches a market. And so basically what you guys are doing is taking, and when you say up, talk about what that means. Yeah, so we're upcycling products that go to waste. So we work with farmers in sub-Saharan Africa who don't have any access to preservation technologies or a market for the fruits that they produce. Um, And this might even be farmers that aren't necessarily specifically growing fruits. They just own these trees because they've, they're on their land for, you know, however long they've lived on this land. Um, So they, you know, tree or there's like millions and millions of mangoes every year, each season, and they just can't sell them because there's no market value. So, that's what creates, those are the things that can create food loss. So we come in and we provide that preservation technology for the dehydrators and we provide that market access. Wow. That's so cool. Now, okay. But I have to rewind the clock just a little bit. So you had the trip to Panama. Mm-hmm. You thought it was really amazing and interesting, but how do you go from that to saying, you know what, I'm going to build a, an entire business slash infrastructure around these ideas. Like what were the steps that you had to take and the people you had to work with? Uh, yeah. So. You know, actually, in the end, Panama was kind of a failure. It didn't really work. Um, The partnership that we had was with an NGO, and just NGOs aren't meant, uh, the NGO isn't set up to then do, like, follow-ups with us. So we traveled with them, and then they just, we kind of lost contact. Um, So we discovered that working through an NGO to get to the farmers was not the best route. Um, And that's what taught us that we really needed, like, an on-the-ground team to be there and working directly with the cooperatives that we work with. Um, so I think kind of our next step was we ended up in, I ended up going to Kenya. Oh, wow. um, Josh, the founder went to Uganda. Um, this was our Thanksgiving break from school one year. <laughs> and wow. we, and we were there building dehydrators and that was sort of, and while Josh was in Uganda, he met who became our director of East Africa. Um, Patrick. And then Patrick was able to be in country and really help build the production side. And we were back in the U.S. building our team and our brand to then bring that product to market. Wow. So talk about what that meant. So you were on the, I guess you were back in the U.S. side, right? And so when you talk about bringing the product to market, what did that look like? What were the things you had to get into place and like figure out? Yeah, so we we started with a Jolly Fruit with Jolly Fruit Co. That's our first brand into market. We just launched it back in March, actually. Sure. Um, so probably the biggest hurdle um, was clearing FDA. I know we had a lot of challenges <laughs> with that um, because they they love to know what's coming into the country and what food we're eating. Yeah. Um, so that was a large challenge to get all of our our whole process in Africa is. Uh, follow the food safety standard. We have food safety professionals in country who travel to each of the cooperatives and ensure that the farmers are hitting the standards we need them to be hitting. And then we have a food safe packing facility where the Got product it. goes into its final packaging. So and that's, then in, eventually shipped to that's the in country then. Got it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it's packaged in Nairobi and then we export to the U.S. where we send it to our warehouse. Got um, it. I think sort of our next challenges are um, getting into retail. Right, because, of course. <laughs> well, for one, um, COVID happened, right, as we were launching product. So every grocery store was like, we're not taking new product right now. Um, we're not, we can't even stop what we have. We're not going to 
put anything new on our shelves. Um, so that was a really big challenge. And a lot of retailers also want to go through distributors. And it's a very, like, you got to know somebody kind of market to be in. Sure. Um, so I think those have been some of the some of the challenges we've been facing. No doubt. I mean, that's definitely the toughest thing. And I, I was looking, so you got the um, Mr. Jackfruit, Wild Sunfruit Fruit. This is awesome, <laughs> right? It's part of... Uh, jolly and then i saw you have your coconut circle so great packaging and whatnot and did you guys have to figure out like the packaging part in africa or is that something you guys did back here like how did that process work so our packaging is designed by our chief branding officer jen and she did a fantastic job of course looks amazing it actually was designed (laughs) yeah it's fantastic it was actually designed in partnership with target because we went through target startup incubator and we were able to work with their design team and their uh, corporate responsibility team and really get their feedback on kind of what they were looking for in a brand. Um, But the way we actually produce the packaging is we print it in uh, Wisconsin with our, with a printing, with a packaging printer here. And then we export it to Nairobi where it gets packed and then sent back to the U S. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. It looks great. Now, how did that, how did you, um, how were you able to, lock in and partner with target how did that work for you guys yeah so target does an accelerator program focused on uh young entrepreneurs with i think believe with social good startups so we were pretty ideal fit um and we got into their accelerator program and by working with them we got access to their vp of food and bev um no or their vp of uh yeah i believe food and bev we got in touch with their dried fruit buyer, um, got to work with corporate responsibility, work with their packaging, branding team. So it brought us a lot of really great connections. That's awesome. Now, do they commit to bringing it into their stores? Because, I mean, obviously, you talk about access to, to retail. <laughs> I mean, Target yeah, would be unbelievable. We def- we're definitely looking to be in their stores in 2021. Okay. And how does that work for them? Do they have a process you have to go through? Or are they looking for you to hit certain volumes? Like, what, what does that look like? There's a there's a review process that happens, I believe, in March or May. Um, we we weren't able to hit it this year, but we're looking in 2021 that we'll be able oh, to hit it. Excellent. And there's a whole process that we'll go through. So talk about the people that are working on the other side. So in Africa, so w- what kind of people are involved with, with pulling this product together? And I mean, it seems like you're really creating an ecosystem where it's not just upcycling, but it helps others as well that, are, that can be part of this. Yeah, so... So kind of one of the pillars of AgriCycle is our network. And our network is a total of uh, 35,000 farmers um, in Sub-Saharan Africa, the Caribbean, and eventually South America. Um, so we work with smallholder farmers who p- possibly make less than $2 a day. That's kind of the average. Wow. Um, we also focus on women farmers because when you pay a woman, it's more likely to stay in the family. Um, so those, these are the communities that we're working with, um, and we're ensuring that they have a fair um, and sustainable income. That's pretty awesome. And then how do you, is it your team on the ground in Africa that are searching out and finding these farmers, or you know, how are you building that ecosystem? Yeah, it sort of started like that, um, going out and just like on foot searching for people. Also, we got connected to a few larger organizations that maybe had like groups of farmers they worked with Got and then it. we were able to bring those farmers into our ecosystem. Um, now I think a big part of it is just by word of mouth. Um, sure. Because, you know, there's their, their neighbor down the, 
the next town over, they're like, well, we're doing this and we're making a lot of money and it's working really well for us. So they go tell their friends about it. Uh, and um, then they want to be part I think, of it. And that's been, yeah. So that's, that's been a huge part of it, of what we're doing or of, of it is just that we're bringing in those communities that are neighboring. Sure. No, I think it's amazing. Now let's think about the end product. So you talk about Jolly Fruit and um, you talked about sustainable charcoal. So as you think about those products landing back here, like who are they targeted at? Who's your buyer? Who Who's the consumer that you're really focused on for those products? Yeah. So Jolly is targeted um, largely towards millennials and then moms. Um, it's a, it's a tra- totally traceable natural snack that's really grab and, grab and go and easy. There's no added sugar preservatives. There's actually a QR code on the front that you can scan with your phone. And it'll tell you the exact cooperative that the oh, that's cool. that your fruit came from. That's awesome. You, you can learn the story of like your fruit. That's awesome. Um, so that's sort of our target market there. For charcoal, what we're really trying to do is <laughs> kind of shake up the the traditional grilling and make people sort of question why they're using wood charcoal to begin with. Um, so we're really we're going in as sort of a direct competitor to like Kingsford, ideally. <laughs> Welcome. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really, really going for it. But yeah, um, why not? That's also a lot of uh, millennial, um, eco-conscious grillers. We've actually got a lot of interest just from people who are grilling enthusiasts because they're it's something new and different. Sure. So they're excited about it. It's a hot category right now. There's a lot of um, movement happening. And, and for a long time, that market had really been, I'd say, kind of somewhat stagnant. You know, really nothing new and innovative. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a great time. Mm-hmm. to be jumping into mm-hmm. it um so kingsford holds a large portion of the market share so absolutely it'll be interesting if we can challenge them a little bit that would be interesting um so talk mm-hmm. about what's next for you guys like wh- what's on the horizon are there other products in in development yeah so kind of what's next for us is actually going into ingredient supplying oh, um interesting so larger bulk orders of either dried fruit we've also talked about doing um natural gluten-free flowers so i don't know if you've ever heard of a breadfruit i um, haven't but, but i saw it on your site i saw it on your website yeah the at wtf so it's the only <laughs> fruit that's a starch and it's in sort of the caribbean it's been largely hailed as like the solution to world hunger but it doesn't wow. have a super long shelf life so you can process it into a flower that's naturally gluten-free nutrient dense high in fiber lots of other good stuff you can do the same thing with um coffee cherries which is a byproduct of the coffee industry. Hmm. So really what continues for us is taking other parts of food loss, either like the pit of a mango and upcycling into a chicken feed. And so we're going to keep taking all these different parts of fruits and food loss and upcycling them into other value-added products. Wow. That's so cool. Love it. I also love the technology angle. You talked about dehydrators. Um, You've also got what you've got, uh, Find My Farm and Bulk SMS. Talk about what those elements are from your technology perspective. Yeah. So the Find My Farm is sort of what I mentioned earlier about the QR code. Oh, got it. Yep. Track Um, and trace. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really interesting um, for just a food safety aspect. So say, like I said, we follow a very a very strict food safety process, but say there is a flaw in one of our products, we know exactly what cooperative and even what tree that product came from. Got it. Ah, uh, very cool. That's amazing. Um, but, and then the the bulk SMS is um, we're able to communicate with our whole farming network over text, text. Um, which has been super useful, especially with COVID, because our team can't go out right. and like talk to 
the right. cooperatives. So being able to text them and having a having that many people to be able to communicate with at a time has been has been really helpful. It's very fortunate. I would, it's good that you guys had that set up before all of this. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure this has been an unbelievable learning experience and exciting because you've got things moving here and so much potential, right, for growth. A lot of our listeners are always looking for kind of those nuggets of like, hey, what have you learned that you could share with others? So share with our audience two or three of like the biggest lessons learned um, along the way of getting this started and even the initial growth. Yeah, um, I think definitely the biggest thing I learned was that I... I'm like one of those people who naturally wants to have all the answers before I <laughs> right. do anything or before I could like try anything. And I think what I really learned in entrepreneurship is you are not going to have all the answers. You will probably never have all the answers. Um, so you, if you want to do something, you really just need to go for it. And you really just need to try. Um, I think, I think that's probably the biggest thing I've had to learn. And it's still something that I struggle with. Cause I still am like, but I don't, like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> right. And I don't, I don't always know what to do, but I just, you just got to choose something and go for it. And um, we talk a lot about fail fast, fail often. And I think that's, that's probably, you really have to live that if you want to be successful. Which is so hard, um, right? The other thing I would suggest, yeah. The other thing I would suggest is networking a whole bunch because I think the only way we've been successful is through Google and about a million different networking events we've been to. Wow. You know, you meet, I think the way we got to Kenya was we, we somehow met somebody whose parents had a mango farm in Kenya and so then we went to <laughs> Kenya and like, like that was how we started. In Kenya. Just, what are the chances? You'll, wow. you'll have the most, ab- yeah, you'll have the most absurd connections um, that will, they'll work out for you in the end. Um, and then I guess probably the last thing I would say is that um, you like to always be a salesperson for what you're doing. And that's also something that I like really struggle with. Right. Um, Cause you're the engineer, I'm, right? <laughs> I'm really passionate. Yep. Yeah. I'm really passionate about what I do, but I, I'm always really nervous to tell people about it. Um, uh-huh. So I think along with that networking is you can't be afraid to be like, yeah, this is what I do and I love it. And you should love it too. And right. I, I think those, those are probably my tips. Hey, that's awesome. That's why you're here, right? You're here on this podcast to do just that. Um, it's so great. <laughs> Share with our audience where they can find you, how they can connect with you guys, et cetera. Yeah. So you can learn more about AgriCycle at agricycleglobal.com. If you're interested in checking out our product brands, you can find Jolly at jollyfruit.co. And you can find the sustainable charcoal is tropicalignition.com. Tropical awesome. spelled with C-O-A-L. Oh, I like that. That's cool. Um, hey, Claire, it's been so great having you on the podcast. I can't wait to see where you guys take this. Um, I'm sure there's other brands to follow and look forward to having you guys back on down the road. Thank you so much. I've been great. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.